Hey there, bogus listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast. It's me, your bogus host that knows the most, B-Boy Bogus Bryce, swooping in here before we start the episode to remind you we have a brand new season of the Bogus Cast coming your way. That's right, it's the fourth season of the Bogus Cast, and we have all sorts of new nostalgic topics that we're going to be covering on this show. And you know, each episode includes the man with the plan, Jamie Kilsby, best friend of the show, best friend in real life. He knows his shit, and I cannot wait to share these episodes with you. So on your podcast app, go ahead and hit subscribe or hit follow, because we're going to have a few more updates between now and August 19th, when we actually premiere the first episode of the fourth season. We just cannot wait. So you'll be hearing brand new episodes of the Bogus Cast on Wednesday, August 19th. Stay bogus. I love you, ATM, yeah. the heart with the heart of gold. Because he just got he got like these dope like pair of Jordans and was like, "Yes, I'm the cool kid now. I'm the cool kid. Look at me, I'm the cool kid. Fuck with me." I did a uh, bogus poll on to see if somebody would actually take the money from the ATM, and like 95 percent of the people, over yeah. 100 people, said they would. I was one of them that said I would definitely <laughs> i don't know i was on the fence a little bit i was like should i yeah because i mean i need the money yeah. but at the same time like it's totally unethical yeah um, <laughs> fuck it i'll take it i don't know if, if the universe <laughs> is giving you something like that man you just uh, you take yeah, it you got to you take you it when to. you can because if you don't some other asshole is going to and then who knows what they're gonna do with it hey that's a good you point know what i'm saying <laughs> that's oh, a good yeah. point <laughs> well hello bogus listeners hey, what's up? welcome to another installment of the forever bogus podcast <laughs> and uh my special guest today which we might as well just announce it now you're pretty much the co-host of the forever bogus podcast wow my man Jamie Killsby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I see all of your 40s in the background. You're getting ready to party, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just, I'm the king of rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> I'm Rock's chosen warrior. I know you got the, the character Kenny G.G. Allen, mm-hmm. but like, you ever listen to some of the stuff G.G. Allen actually says? Oh, yeah, it's it's horrible. It's horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I like towards the end when he was going on all the daytime shows and stuff. Yes. And yes. he was saying kind of stuff like, uh, so matter of fact, like he was like, I'm the king of rock and roll, and uh, when I go on stage, everybody eats my body. Yeah, like, quite, Jesus. quite literally. And he's so like, matter like of Jesus. fact about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he's got, like, Love his it. hood on and his big aviator glasses, and yeah. I, I, he's such trash, but there's something so appealing about him. Well, he really did it. That was the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what's on the menu for today's uh, bogus cast, Jamie? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think uh, one one kind of fascinating thing that we were talking about was was fictional bands in pop culture, whether it be TV or yes. movies. And so you know, you see these bands that are made up for the screen, mm-hmm. and uh, God, there's uh, some sometimes there's so much work put into yeah. them, and the, the songs that come with them, and so much thought put into it. Other times, it's complete trash. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unfortunately, you know? yes. Yeah. And you make a really good point. Like, it may just be like a one-off thing where they have like a random band that comes through on an episode of of Arthur. But you know there's yeah. somebody who actually put time and effort to write the songs, to create the characters, and actually portray them on screen. Like, it's it's a whole thing. And that's why I wanted to do a small little ode to all the fictional bands out there. Yeah, shout out to all the fictional bands. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, there's a whole, like, life to this kind of stuff. Like, I went to see um, Polaris, mm-hmm. who made the music for The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I saw them in Brooklyn, and they're fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like they, they they could be my favorite band. Wow. I think if I if I really if I really boil it down to it, and they were kind of a fictional band yeah. too. Like they were created for the Adventures of Pete and Pete, right? And uh, they were created for the show. I mean, they kind of became a very much real band because they were a spinoff of a band called Miracle League. Correct. They became a very real band. They like tour and stuff now. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the, I think we missed it too. And when we saw them in Brooklyn, they they open the opening act was uh, the dude who made the music for the Beats. Oh, really? Yeah, and we wow. just we, our train was kind of screwed up, so we didn't make it in time. Dang. But we we caught like the last five minutes, and it was just him on acoustic guitar, and he was like, "I need more allowance, your delay." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and also, the weird side note about that show: I don't know what was going on. There was some comic convention or something in Brooklyn uh, at the same time. And there was a bunch of cast members from Buffy the Vampire Slayer walking around at the show. That's so random. (laughs) It it seems like what I just told you seems like something I would dream. Like, oh, I saw Blaris and and the Beats and Buffy the Vampire Slayer was there. But it it really happened. (laughs) Your wife can attest to it. Like, it was a real experience. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a long side note. But basically, I'm just saying, like, sometimes these things get a whole life of their own after the show. I agree. I agree. So today on the Bogus Cast, we're doing our countdown of 10 fictional bands from TV shows and movies. I definitely want to put a little forward in my section. I'm going to be focusing on movies. Good point. And Bryce is going to be focusing on TV. Yes. Um, so I, for my personal picks, I try to avoid the obvious picks, you know, so maybe at the end or, or whatever, we'll give a, uh, a shout out to all the ones that we overlooked. Yeah. Because, a little bit you know, of honorable I, mentions or something. So, so like, yeah. for instance, you're not going to do Spinal Tap. No, I, I think everybody in the world knows Spinal Tap and yes. everybody, in, you know, there's nothing that I could say about Spinal Tap that hasn't already been said, so I tried. I just didn't talk about them. So most most bands that fictional bands from movies that are everyone knows, I didn't bother to talk about. I kind of went for deeper cuts, and uh, hopefully you'll find something you you want to look into further, or a film you want to look into further that you hadn't heard of. So absolutely. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started on this list, okay? Yeah, man. So my first pick. My first fictional band that I want to talk about is Sacrifix. <laughs> yeah. And Sacrifix, if you haven't heard of that, I do not blame you uh, because it's a minor note in a lesser known movie. Lesser known? I don't know if it's lesser known. I think it's even gained popularity since since the 80s. Definitely. Uh, anyway, that film I'm talking about is the 1987 horror film The Gate. The Gate. Now, The Gate is really... Like, I fucking love The Gate. Mm-hmm, me too. I'm a big fan. Like, I think my favorite genre of film is probably 80s horror. Um, and this is my top three. Definitely my top wow. three, The Gate. If you if you haven't seen The Gate, it's it's amazing. Highly uh, recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good um, effects. You know, they, they actually did, which is crazy, there's these little creatures walking through the film. And mm-hmm. they used every single piece of film 
you know, trickery that they could use. There's forced perspective to make them look really small. Mm -hmm. There's stop motion. There's everything. I mean, it's 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 all practical effects. So it's it's, it's beautiful. Very well done. Uh, To give you a really quick synopsis, very, very brief if you haven't seen it. um, Basically, a portal to hell is accidentally opened up in the backyard of, of this kid, Glenn. And uh, that unleashes all these little demons and these little monsters and a slew of all this, like, unearthly evil and shit. And it all starts when his older sister and friends try doing this, like, demonic uh, didgeridoo or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some ritualistic kind of things. Yeah. yeah. The, the parents are out of town and they're like, let's talk to devils and make you levitate. And, uh, <laughs> you know. It's always it, it, a bad decision. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm really, really glossing over it. But, you know, the, the main thing to get is that they accidentally open a portal to hell in their backyard mm-hmm. and uh as this all starts to happen and all the weirdness starts happening glenn the main character his best friend terry starts to notice all this weird shit has these parallels uh with the lyrics the artwork and the insert on his album the old gods by <laughs> fictional band sacrifice <laughs> Terry is awesome. Uh, he's like one of my favorite characters in film. He he's like a geeky guy that loves metal. Yeah, he's he's super geeky and like it, I didn't have glasses as a kid, but mm-hmm. if if you take the glasses off him, he looked just like how I looked when I was a kid. <laughs> and you know, there's a scene of him rocking out to this album by Sacrifix mm-hmm. on his bed, and he's jumping up and down and playing air guitar real hard. <laughs> and uh, you know, this this album actually, he starts seeing like these parallels between what's happening. Uh, and the the lyrics and shit on the album. Mm-hmm. And they start using this album and the insert as sort of a guide to, you know, a, a reference point, if you will. You know, they're like, well, how do we close the portal? And he's like thumbing through the record mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, read their lyrics and figure out what they say. But uh, the Dark Book is described as an obscure 1980s European heavy metal LP album by serious demonologist Sacrifix. And it's later described that this is the sole album released by the band shortly before they all perished in a mysterious plane crash. The album is said to be a warning... And the band got their lyrics from the Dark Book, which is like, you know, a Bible, but, but for, for demons. For the demons, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, the sound of the band is kind of like if you're familiar with King Diamond. Yeah. Uh, which, I, King Diamond's great, too. Uh, there's mm-hmm. another another recommend. Have you ever heard his Christmas album? Oh, my God. No, I have not. Okay. It's basically as soon as we're done, really. I'm not even saying you have to. It's like it starts with like uh, the classic jingle bells, like and it cuts this big heavy chord, <laughs> and he's like, "No presents yes. for Christmas." Okay, he does right, that. I'm I think check that out. Anyway, yeah, that's a side note. Check out King Diamond. Sacrifix from the movie The Gate sounds like King Diamond, but they have these occasional pauses in their songs to fit like '70s and early '80s prog rock shit, like. Mm-hmm. You know, the song will be happening, it'll stop, and then some voice will be like, The old gods who have come to Earth <laughs> to stop the dragon. Like all that shit that yes. doesn't happen anymore. Um, the music, as it turns out, it was made by um, this Canadian band called, uh, I believe it was Cardboard Brains. Interesting. Uh, and they, they put together the music that is Sacrifice. And okay. Man, uh, yeah, just... Perfect band, mm-hmm. perfect concept for a band, how it sort of ties into that cheesy prog rock shit. Yes. And I just love that they use the record as like a Necronomicon of sorts. You know, they're, I agree. the kids are, 
they're carrying the album around and they're using it ever as a reference point throughout the film and opening it and mm-hmm. figuring out how to close the portal and how to send the demons back. Great movie that I really, really love a lot. And uh, Sacrifix, yeah, perfect fictional band. Perfect way to kick off your list, man. Thank you. Yeah. Let's head over to the realm of the uh, the small screen. The small screen here. And uh, this pick deserves... A beer. Whoa. <laughs> it's like 9 a.m. Nah. It's like 10 a.m. It's all What's happening. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Wasting away again in margarita. Stop it. Yeah. My first pick is The Beats from Nickelodeon's Doug. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm glad I led with that almost seeing the guy perform it. I know. We're actually going to talk about him a little bit throughout this pick, too. So... Uh, for those who may not be familiar with the Beats, Doug popularized this band uh, throughout the first season and kind of throughout the series a little bit. And like they actually kind of pop up uh, during one of the Doug video games and one of the books too. So their lore kind of grows throughout the series as well. So the Beats is a playoff of the name The Beatles, obviously. And their album names actually kind of mirror the Beatles album names as well. For instance, one of their albums is called Let It Beat. Ah, oh, <laughs> how about that? The What album, kind of mm-hmm, like the White mm-hmm. album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Meet the Beats. That's the one's probably my favorite. Beat the Meats. <laughs> Me- beat the Meats. I mean, uh, yes. Meet the Beats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that shit. (laughs) So uh, Jim Jenkins, who was the show's creator, explained that he was very much into every British invasion band. Like, for instance, The Who, The Rolling Stones, The Beatles, and so on and so forth. And he really wanted to uh, pay tribute by creating the beats for his very popular TV show at the time. And uh, he even went as far as to make all the members of the Beats sound British. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they go all the way with this one. Yes, and, and I love it. I love every yeah. little bit of it, too. So to be a little more specific of the band members, Munro Yoder is based on John Lennon. He even kind of looks like him, but he definitely sounds like him. Yeah. Uh, Chap Lipman is based off of Ringo Starr, who played the drums in the Beats. And Flounder and Wendy Nespa, I guess is how you pronounce the last name, are loosely based off of Paul McCartney and George Harrison. So all of the Beatles. Yeah. It's it's basically a cartoon version of the Beatles in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? and, and I kind of love that. Yeah. I love that, what you were saying earlier, that they just, they really became part of the show. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a one episode, two episode thing. Like, they were pretty... Oh, ever present in the in the lore of Doug. It, it made the show a little more interesting. It kind of like depth in the universe, like the Doug universe. And I really yeah. like that. When those, all those shows, like what made those shows so great, one of the things of the, that era, Doug and Pete and Pete and all those shows, is that there were layers. You know, it wasn't just yes. a face value show. There was lore. There were bands. There were, you know, things in their society mm-hmm. that uh, continued to pop up. Yep. Jim Jenkins killed it. And uh, Fred Newman and Don Sawyer, Dan Sawyer rather, performed all of the Beats tracks. So even though the Beats seem to be another parody of the British Invasion bands on paper, they actually reflected the sounds and looks of the Ramones. Yeah. So they have like their their leather jackets and shaved heads and the front man looked just like Joey Ramone. 
it made it more relatable because I, I kids at the time weren't listening to the Beatles for the most yeah. part. I, you know, in the early to mid nineties, no nobody, no kids were really listening to the Beatles. I mean, it, so it and made the more sense. Ramones were still pretty popular at that time too. Yeah. so that that makes total sense. Definitely. So Jim Jenkins and his crew wanted to create music for Doug to have like a, a message or somehow appeal to kids. So they were thinking maybe if we did like a health twist to to a song, i.e. Killer Tofu. Oh, And Jesus. Uh, I need more allowance. Why? Because I do. Yes. And they were huge hits. Like, these would get stuck in my head, and I was hoping that I would listen to them on the radio. Like, I, I thought there was a legit yeah. band back in the day. I'll, every once in a while, I'll randomly have one of those in my head. Yes. Likewise. Somebody will bring up Tofu, and I'm like, killer Tofu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only time I want to think about Tofu. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to end this uh, pick on... That uh, they recently released all five tracks from the Beats on all the streaming services. So you can go on YouTube, you can go oh, on Spotify, whatever, man. and they're all really good and remastered quality. So it's it's perfect. I highly recommend it. I might. I'm definitely gonna probably do that when we're done. Oh yeah. You've got to go listen to King Diamond's Christmas yep. album, and then and you I, gotta listen to the Beats. I gotta listen to the Beats. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Good pick, man. Alright, man, what do you have next on your list, Jamie? Following up on that, you know, Satanic Panic and playing their album backwards and the metal and bands, <laughs> uh, my next pick is Rock's Chosen Warrior, Sammy Kerr. Yeah! And this is from 1986 horror film Trick or Treat. Absolutely. Not to be confused by Trick or, or treat, treat, yeah. Which is equally entertaining, however, this is sort of a very different thing. Um, oh yes <laughs> so in the film Trick or Treat if you haven't seen it Sammy Kerr is this super edgy sort of shock rock heavy metal front man who is uh, played by actor Tony Fields and Tony Fields is actually more of a dancer um, he's seen in Michael Jackson videos and stuff like that this was like really oh. his only one of his only movies and uh, well he plays it off really well like he's very convincing he's great yeah yes. um, so you know Sammy Kerr is really infamous for his stage antics and like there's this bit you know the film starts with the news talking about him and and he's you know drinking blood of a snake on stage yes. right from the snake's <laughs> you know mouth or whatever and, but that's you know and it, yeah oh, totally and that totally comes off of like you know eating the head of the the bat and Ozzy does appear in this film yes um, and that's the thing Sammy Kerr is is like an Ozzy character in the sense that you know, the band is Sammy Kerr. You know, he's Sammy yep. Kerr, but, the, you know, you don't... Oh, I'm going to see Ozzy, you know, and his band. You know, you're going to see Sammy mm-hmm. Kerr yep. and his band. So they reference a few songs of his that are titled, and uh, the titles are things like Trick or Treat, mm-hmm. Fuck With Fire, yeah, Burning Metal, Metal, and Torture's Too Kind. <laughs> Such great song titles. <laughs> Uh, but Sammy Kerr um, in the film he's, he's set to release this album called Songs in the Key of Death so good yeah but it went unfinished and unreleased uh, because Kerr is killed in this mysterious hotel fire mm-hmm. now the film follows this uh, the main character Eddie who's Sammy Kerr's super fan 
And, you know, he really relates to Sammy Kerr because he's the only metalhead in his school, which is, like, weird. Like, he, he likes metal, but every single other person in the school is, like, a jock somehow. I know. And, There's got to be at uh, least one other person. It's probably yeah. the geek that sits in the, t- the corner that doesn't talk to anybody. There is one other person yes. who is not a jock in his school, and he's, like, a, a tech geek or something. Mm-hmm. And they automatically become friends because they're like, we're different, or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. That's a side note. We're here to talk about the uh, Rock's Chosen Warrior, Sammy Kerr. Right. Eddie, you know, looks up to Sammy Kerr because Sammy Kerr was from his hometown, and he looks at him and is like, you're so cool, and you got out of this town, and you showed everybody, and you gave them what for and stuff. So when mm-hmm. it turns out Kerr dies in this mysterious hotel fire, Eddie is just, like, fucking distraught. His life is over. Mm-hmm. He's just – he's got nothing to live for anymore. And apparently he's a big enough fan of Sammy Kerr and Sammy Kerr's music that he garners this relationship with the local radio DJ – uh, who's his name is Nuke? <laughs> Great name. <laughs> Nuke knows. So Nuke, Nuke knows that Eddie is like the biggest Sammy Kerr fan ever. So he says, "Look, Eddie, you're, I know you're having a hard time with this. I actually have the only copy of Sammy Kerr's unreleased Conveniently album." Conveniently enough, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "I he he Sammy Kerr requested that I play it at midnight on Halloween, and I made a tape of it, and I made a high." high definition cassette tape recording of it so i'm going to use that you have this record i know it means a lot to you mm-hmm. you know whatever so eddie is playing the tape and he falls asleep and it it gets stuck on this one point it's like skipping it's sounding like a bit weird mm-hmm. and so now eddie turns out is, is when he plays this sammy kerr record when he plays it backwards, it's a direct link to communicate with Sammy Kerr from beyond the grave. Which is great. Yeah. I and love that concept. And so he's like playing the record backwards and Sammy Kerr is telling him how and giving him all these great plans to get back on his bullies and, and what to do. And, and it's working out. It's actually going pretty well. He's like, oh, this yeah. is fucking cool. And then the plots start to kind of get a little close to murder. Mm-hmm. You know, so like he's playing the record backwards and like... Just stab him in the neck, you know, like he's kill, just getting, kill, kill. yeah, it's yes. getting too far. So, so he's like, all right, we're not. I gotta stop this. This is getting too far. <laughs> and uh, uh, a soda spills onto the record player, which causes enough of an electrical jolt, which would never happen. To, which would never happen. It would just turn the thing off. But yes. it it causes a jolt to unleash the spirit of Rock's chosen warrior, Sammy Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like he's what a a scary shock rocker looks like to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't know what they look like. You know, he's covered in leather and has huge hair and huge black fingernails. Mm-hmm. He's got chains all over him and stuff like that. He and looks he's fucking awesome. rad. I, I and, will say uh, that. Yeah, I know he's he's rad as hell. But uh, Sammy Kerr's music was recorded by the band Fastway. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's put. It's like almost a super group okay. put together of members from Motorhead and UFO. Oh. And it is so fucking badass. Like, I, his, the, his music, Sammy Kerr's music, is amazing. I, yes. uh, if I'm going to, like, hunt for VHS tapes, like, I would put that on on the way there, and it gets me really pumped <laughs> up, and... Oh, You're like speeding down the highway. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Like it's it's actually really very much something that you can listen to, and you know, it, to the untrained ear, they would just say, "Oh, this is an '80s metal band," and they wouldn't question mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this is no. this from a film or something." And it sounds it's the real deal. Yeah. If you haven't seen Trick or Treat and and have yet to experience 
Rock's chosen warrior, Sammy Kerr, then do yourself a favor. Um, yes. Sammy Kerr's amazing. I wish he was real. Ditto. <laughs> How about you, man? We went back to the big screen, to the satanic panic. You got, uh, now we're going back to that small screen, that Saturday morning (laughs) screen, that little bedroom screen. What do we got? That's right. So this pick is like the complete opposite of the satanic panic in in Sammy Kerr. This pick actually deserves a a cigarette. Mm. Okay. So drinking and smoking at nine dude, o'clock you, you in the morning. You've got to. You've got yeah. to. When you're talking about all these rock bands, actually, this one's not really a rock band. They really didn't deserve a cigarette. I just wanted to look cool. Yeah, because like, I mean, you get. You get I got to follow up to Sammy Kerr. That's fucking hard. <laughs> honestly, if you've never seen Trick or Treat, like, just look. If you're not going to watch it, at least do yourself the favor of googling Sammy, Sammy Kerr. Yes, uh, just the coolest thing ever. Yes, my next pick is. Macadocious from your brother is smart, smart guy. <laughs> this band is also called the band with the little cute kid. Okay, <laughs> that's why right. they're dubbed. <laughs> I think the other name is better, but that's that's. Fair. I agree. <laughs> so, for those who may not remember, Smart Guy, it was kind of a uh, family-centric uh, sitcom that revolved around a younger boy genius named TJ. Uh, T.J. Henderson, <laughs> smart young gentleman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that gets transferred from like his elementary school to uh, his, the high school where his brother and sister are um, are attending, and he's trying to fit in. So it's kind of like his shenanigans and adventures with his brother and his sister throughout his high school experience. But in this particular episode, T.J.'s brother Marcus and his friend Mo Tibbs create a band to win the Battle of the Bands, and. To pick up some girls, baby. Why not? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) So Marcus, TJ's uh, older brother, was the lead singer. Mo played bass guitar. And they had like a a piano player, like a keyboard player, and a drummer that they never really... We didn't really find out much about them. Uh, But unfortunately, the keyboard player broke his finger while they were playing catch uh, during like break during their practice. So they were pretty much forced to hold auditions to find a new keyboard player because the battle of the bands were only a couple days away. God damn. So cue the montage of all the random people that comes in to play keyboards. There's this one who's like completely phenomenal, like just all these jazz chords and stuff. And they're, they're like, you're way too good for us. There's like this, this hottie that comes in that kind of half-ass plays a keyboard and Moe's like, I love her. She's great. And everybody else is like, we're going to do horrible battle of the bands if we don't allow this. And there's like a few other like random oddball characters that came in from the street. So they're, they feel pretty defeated and they go back inside to have a, a soda, a.k.a. I'm pretty sure a beer because they're fucking rock stars. They're just swimming in it. <laughs> yeah. And they hear somebody playing the keyboards outside and like, who is this? They were playing Marcus's song. So they walk out to find TJ on the keyboards. Yeah. And they're like, when the fuck did you learn how to play keyboards? He was like, right now, because he's a boy genius. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Horrible. God, shitty writing just gives you the best stuff. You know? <laughs> I agree. If you, ever want, and, if you ever want something really good, just just don't care. Exactly. And that's kind of how I felt about this entire series. Like, they just kind of like, eh, that's a stretch, but eh, fuck it. 
but fuck it. We got to get this done. Yeah. <laughs> I still love the show. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all that matters, I guess. <laughs> I guess the, the be- some of the some of the best stuff from our childhood is stuff that is either people not caring and just going like, oh, I just got to get this shit done, and they make up something stupid, or just yes. direct competition with Ninja Turtles. Like, we need anthropomorphic <laughs> animals that fight. Yeah, go ahead, Street Sharks. Yeah, street Sharks, Biker Mike from Mars, <laughs> yeah. Biker Mice from Mars, right. BC Bikers, <laughs> Extreme Dinosaurs. No, we can go on all yeah. day. <laughs> that, that, that could be its whole own episode is TMNT ripoffs. Maybe we should do that later in the, the season here. That sounds like a good idea. I'm into that one. Okay, you'll find some really obscure deep pools. Oh, dude, I dove into that one hard. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go on. I got to know about the Boy Genius keyboarder. Battle of the Bands is only a few days away, and they pretty much had no choice to add TJ into the band. So under weird circumstances, he is not allowed to play a solo during their song titled, I Don't Know Why. I Don't Know Why. They finally make it to the Battle of the Bands, and it's hosted by none other than Christopher Reed. Woo! Also known as Kid from Kid and Play. God damn. <laughs> Way he to pull was a out high of work. profile. Yeah. Hey, we got a high-profile feature. Jesus Christ. Yeah, maybe in the early 90s, not the, yeah. the late 90s. He was just Jesus. like, I'm, I'm kind of old, and I'm kind of fat now, and nobody really wants me to do commercials. or like I, They don't want to see House Party 5. I don't know. I can't remember how many they made. Oh, God. I wonder if Kid <laughs> even knew who that was. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's hosting it, which is kind of fun. I like the little cameo that he makes. So they, they go on to play this R&B love ballad called I Don't Know Why. And it's pretty obvious that they don't know how to play any other instruments because, like, they'll do, like, a, a fast pan through each member of the band. So you'll see, like, Mo, like, his really weird face expression would be like, I'm playing bass. But that's, like, do you, that's, you do not know. Yeah, that is the worst, most cringy product of... <laughs> Of TV and movies putting in non-musicians to play the role of musicians. Because especially if you've ever, like, picked up a guitar before in your life or whatever, and you see that, oh, that dude's not fucking playing at all. That that takes me right out of it. (laughs) Yes. So in the middle of the song, um, everybody gets their solo, and then TJ decides last minute, I'm going to get the spotlight. Hell yeah. <laughs> and they win. They win the battle of the bands. Should have just listened to him in the first place. He's a boy fucking genius. I know. Exactly. But Marcus, TJ's older brother, is pissed. He's like, dude, you pretty much ruined the entire song. And everyone likes you. And they pretty much dubbed our band the band with the little cute kid in it. Like, you've completely put me in the shadows. So they had like a little feud. And TJ gets kicked out of the band mm-hmm. and there's there's still like a good probably 10 minutes left of this episode that i'm just gonna leave open for you the listener to find out what happens because tj gets revenge on marcus on in in a way only a boy genius can yes all right listeners you guys got you got some homework to do now yep you guys got uh the end of this episode you gotta watch trick or treat you gotta Look up pictures of Sammy Kerr. You've got, man, we're giving him a lot of homework. There's a lot of homework and a lot to check out. Oh, that was a really good one, man. I actually really, I'm so unfamiliar with that show and this, and and even that episode. So it was news to me and that gives me something to look into. Thank you. I don't know why. What do you have next on your list, Jamie? In the, in the, in the vein of having something that, uh, people have never heard of 
I uh, mm-hmm. I think that this is my most obscure pick, so I I don't expect a lot of people to have seen this movie. Okay. Um, however, it's in on YouTube in its entirety. It, it's very very hard to come by. Otherwise, like it's very hard to get a DVD of it. The VHS, which I have, is like super rare and super expensive. Um, so just watch. I'm on it. the edge of my seat, man. Please, what what is this movie called? This movie is called Hard Rock Zombie. Yes, yeah. dude, I've been looking for this for years. Yeah, okay, I, perfect. I, I got perfect. this. I got this tape, and uh, I, I don't. I'm a VHS collector like you, but I usually mm-hmm. don't. I don't know. My cap on a tape is like forty bucks. Me too. If I get to like forty bucks, I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. I can't spend any I'll, more. I'll yeah. trade or I'll do something else. This was one I made a rare exception for. I don't remember what I paid, but it certainly was not cheap. You're lucky to have it. In your yeah, collection. I mean, that's for sure. Every once in a while, just for shits and giggles, I'll look it up on eBay just to see if there's any. And there's almost it's so expensive. Yeah, it's very so expensive, expensive, or it's just not floating around at all. It's very rare. Yes. So I got a copy of it. Uh, it came out in 1985, and I want to for this pick. I want to talk about the band from Hard Rock Zombies, who okay. uh, unfortunately the band is never their name is never mentioned. They weren't ever really named, mm. which seems like the thing is weird. I I I gotta I gotta rewatch it, and I did. I swear mm-hmm. that their name was like the Black Scorpions or something, and then I rewatched it, and they never say the name, so I don't know where the fuck I got that from. Weird. Okay. But uh, anyway, this band is in the middle. They're on a tour, and they wind up in the sort of middle of a nowhere, des- deserty kind of town. And this band is so fucking awesome, and they're so cool. They they just encapsulate everything to me that I think is cool about the 1980s, like. Okay. I just want to lift weights to their music and and take long drives with the top down and, and stuff like that. It's they're amazing. Um, but band leader Jesse, you know, at some point in the film, he's seen practicing this strange riff in the van while they're on their tour. He's playing okay. this weird riff on the bass and it's catching everybody's attention and stuff. And and all the the band members are like, "Oh, where'd you learn that from, Jesse?" He's like, "I learned it from an old book. Duh. Like you ever read old <laughs> books?" And um. You know, he doesn't even really notice it, but he, or most of the band doesn't even really notice it, but uh, as he's playing the riff, this dead bug comes back to life, and, uh, oh, very strange, huh? Like, he's this demonic riff or something, right? I didn't know that they had, like, music in the Necronomicon. That's, that's yeah, very strange. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, like, okay, he, he was okay. learning Necronomicon music, basically. Um, <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> so, later in their tour, the band is... I, I'm really fast-forwarding here uh, on the plot, because the plot is so fucked. Um, but in, in the best way, I really, okay. really enjoy this movie. And if you like 80s horror, and yes. especially... 80s movies that have fake bands in them. This is definitely search this one. It's it's right on YouTube in its entirety. Um, okay. So another thing that adds my homework. Right. God, this one's given us a lot to do. But uh, later in the tour, I'm really glossing over here, so you're gonna hear some bizarre shit. But I'm just gonna gloss over it. Later in the okay. tour, the band is captured and murdered by Hitler, Eve, Eva Braun, who is now a werewolf, and a cult okay. of Nazis and zombies. No, no shit. That's exactly wow. what happens. Um, that's rad. Yeah. <laughs> so that before the band is executed, Jesse um, gives this fan Cassie, who by the way has a kick-ass song written about her by the band early on the film. Oh, Cassie, <laughs> look it up, man. It is good. <laughs> um, I love it because they don't sound. I don't know. They don't sound a lot like 
the metal bands of the previous movies we talked about. Like, they're almost like new wave rock or something. Hard to describe, but very fucking cool. So anyway, right before he's executed, he gives the cassette tape to of the song that he learned that's Mysterious Riff to uh, this girl, Cassie. And he says, play this on my grave, you know. So uh, she, she goes to his grave and, and plays the cassette tape and... You know, that brings Jesse out, and he resurrects his band. So did, did Jesse know that it would bring him back to life? Yes. Okay, okay. I think, I think he had an idea, but he wasn't sure, and I think it was more sort of like a just-remember-me kind of thing. Okay. And it happened to bring him back to life, and what ensues is now we have this this hard rock zombie band of the undead and they we see them now as an undead band playing the song cassie that i was describing to you earlier and uh mass chaos and hysteria ensues everybody in the town is getting eaten or killed and people are coming after (laughs) the band and they're getting revenge and it is just a super fucking good 80s cheesy low budget horror movie about a hard rock band that becomes zombies and uh I can't recommend again. The, the, the three movies I happen to mention are three movies that I really, really like. I didn't just mm-hmm. dig to find bands like, oh, let's find some fake bands. Like I, I these are movies that I love. Like all these movies <laughs> I mentioned are like, uh, Gate is like top three for me. Trick or Treat's mm-hmm. up there, not not quite as high, but this one's really, really high up there for me too. Maybe top five. I can see why. Love this shit. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend it. And if you don't have the time to sit. At least look up the scene where they're playing the song Cassie as zombies, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is its own isolated clip on YouTube. It is okay. amazing. It is, it is so amazing. I won't spoil <laughs> you how the film ends, but uh, it's absolutely worth looking into. It almost has a nice romantic little undead ending. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Alright, back on the small screen, my next pick is Team Samurai from the infamous weird-ass show called Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Now, you love this shit. You love this Super Sentai genre, don't you? I'm all over this stuff, especially, like, going back and revisiting just how horrible it is, but, like, it's just something so special about it. I just can't, I can't stop watching. (laughs) Now, people that don't know, (laughs) listeners who are not familiar, Super Sentai is the genre of television that is in the vein of Power Rangers and Big Bad Beetleborgs Mm -hmm. that uh, recycles Japanese action footage and mixes it with, uh, in often cases, refilmed dialogue pieces with American actors. Yep, with American actors is correct. And I'll, I'll get a little bit more into how that ties into Superhuman Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> so Team Samurai consists of Sam Collins, who's played by Matthew Lawrence. Maddie, good old Maddie Lawrence. Maddie good Ice. old Maddie Lawrence. I love Matthew Lawrence. And uh, his two, his three friends, Amp, Sydney, and Tanker. Is it Amp? Amp, yeah, his name's Amp. A-M-P? I, I, yes, A-M-P. I don't know if it's his real name or if it's, like, his nickname, because they never call him anything else but Amp. Jesus. To back up the story just a little bit for those who may not be aware of this radical show. <laughs> it is rad. It is pretty rad. Uh, during a recording session of Team Samurai, Sam is zapped by a power surge and disappears. 
only to reappear seconds later with a strange device connected to his wrist. And this device, he like, can't get it off or anything. He's like, what does this even do? Soon after, Sam gets zapped into a video game that was very popular among, among his friends called Servio. And uh, he gets zapped into the game to help save the world of a technological warfare done by Kilocon, who was voiced by our one of our favorite actors, Tim Curry. Oh, wow. Yes, Tim Curry has a tie in it. He's actually in every single episode. Oh, shit. Yes, and he kills it. Just like we talked about in previous podcasts, like he goes 110% with everything. Yeah, that he, he does. always cares about what he does, even when it's super shitty and obviously shitty. He, he, he puts 100% yes, in it. Absolutely. And I want to say that like Matthew Lawrence is the saving grace here for this show, but he's absolutely not. Tim Curry is the saving grace of this TV show. Right. So, as you said before, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad is loosely based on a popular Japanese series called Gridman the Hyper Agent. And uh, translated to American culture by Saban Entertainment, who also did Big Bad Beetleborgs. They did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. There's like there's a full list. Like they're still a company now, and they're making millions upon millions off of the still existing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers franchise. Can't believe that shit's still going. I know, and it's 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 kind of gotten better. It's got more of like an anime feel to it, which is fun, but it's still hard to keep up with. Yeah. So during the Sentai Takusatu American Invasion, popularized by bringing and translating the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, but unfortunately, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad was not a, as popular as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And those are for multiple, multiple reasons that I really don't want to get into because I'm trying to keep this pick kind of short so we can get to your next one. But maybe I'll do like a little write-up for Boom Howdy about how this like started off kind of popular and drained like almost immediately. And uh, they still kept writing more and more and more for it. They lasted like about 65 episodes. But anyway, so this pick is a bit of a stretch for me because Team Samurai don't actually play their instruments. Oh, dang. They don't have full-length songs or anything. Like, you see them with their instruments, and the only time they actually use them is to get transported into the Servio game. So So they're posers. They're pretty much posers. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, Matthew Lawrence's character will do, like, one chord, which he has to, like, look at his fingers every time to get the chord right oh, before he does God. it. God. And so he, like, hits it, and he has, like, one of three sayings that that he says to get transported into the Servio world. Do you remember what chord that is? I'd like to try it and see if I where I go. Probably an open G. Okay. Well, <laughs> I played that one. It doesn't really do anything, so... No. Good, good on him. So Sam says, "Let's samurais, guys." Oh, and Sydney God. says, "Pump up the power." And Tank, which is my my favorite, says, "Let's kick some gigabyte." Jesus, <laughs> God, <laughs> it's trash, but I love it. I love it so much for for multiple reasons. I love when like tech, you know, tech wasn't all the way. You know, kids didn't know as much about the internet and tech and stuff. So like, they use that catchphrase in ninety shows, but it's like way off. Like. Let's do internet. They can like loosely just say anything they want. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to end the show on this one little factoid. All the episode names were based off of Beatles and 60s and 70s rock group references and movie quotes. For instance, a, a couple episode titles are Money for Nothing and Bits for Free. Jesus. <laughs> God. <laughs> 
Cheater, cheater, megabyte eater. Come on now. <laughs> Somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to pay for the crimes of that. I know. Jesus. Cheater, cheater, gigabyte eater? Was that it? Yes. God. <laughs> that's that's going to wake me up from a dead sleep. <gasps> Are you ready? Ready. Let's synchronize, guys. All right, so we we talked about um, 80s uh, horror movies and 80s rock and uh, satanic panic and stuff. So I'm going to take a hard left turn and uh, move forward to the next decade and something a little bit softer. Okay. I want to talk about the Jack Frost band in the 1998 film Jack Frost. Oh, you're not talking about the horror movie, are you? I'm not talking about the horror movie. I'm talking about... <sighs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to groan about with this one. I've got a lot of problems with this yes. movie. But, uh, okay, okay. Um, Give it to me, Jamie. So the Jack Frost band is the fictional band led by Jack Frost, who is played by Michael Keaton in the 1998 film. Um, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of like this cool dad blues rock. Uh, and in the opening of the film, they're playing this, like, hard blues rock version of Frosty the Snowman. It's just, oh, they're called, his name is Jack Frost, for real. He's in a band called the Jack Frost Band. They play Frosty the Snowman, and and he gets turned into a snowman. It's like, it's so on the nose. It couldn't be any more on the nose. Stop. (laughs) The the film opens up, and it's, you know, they're like, Frosty the Snowman! You know, it's like... Now I'm going to play the harm. Yeah, yeah, he he kills him the harm. So, a, a side note for a personal note about this film and 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 me it, it created this really shitty conundrum in my head that i still deal with to this day and this is a side note this doesn't have anything That's to do sad. with the band this is so okay, okay. I, I i every time i try to think of michael keaton's name like i'm like you know i'm talking oh you saw spider-man homecoming yeah you know uh uh and i can't think of michael keaton and i i think jack because of jack frost <laughs> forever tainted <laughs> yeah and then my brain before i can complete that thought my brain jumps to batman 89 and i say uh jack nicholson and then oh uh, really yeah because i start <laughs> it, it, and and then i say oh no it's not jack nicholson and then the nickel part makes me say nicholas cage oh, no. so every single yes. time because of this movie every single time I try to think of Michael Keaton's name. I go, Jack Nicholson, Nicholas Cage. Jack Frost. No, 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 Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do this. It's it's really, it's really bad. That's and too bad. I, I can't, I, I almost always have to think a few minutes before I can say Michael Keaton's name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you see this movie because, oh, it's about a snowman, right? He doesn't become mm-hmm. a snowman until, like, the second hour. Like so, the I know. so the first act, like the last thirty minutes, he finally turns into a snowman. So the first hour of the film, he's just see, I almost said Jack Nicholson. He's Michael Keaton uh, as Jack Frost and the Jack Frost Band, being an absent father, and it just sort of seems like a drama. If you had no idea what you were going into, you would think it was just sort of a, a drama. And then yes. he turns into a fucking snowman. <laughs> anyway, we're we're sort of led to believe that the Jack Frost Band is super good and super popular. Because their gigs are always mm-hmm. sold out, and they actually have uh, Frank Zappa, his kids, three of three of 
four of Frank Zappa's kids are in this movie. Really? Yeah. That's probably where the budget went. <laughs> yeah, all of Frank Zappa's kids. Now, actually, I'll tell you where the budget went. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're led to believe that the band's really good, you know, and, and, and Dweezil Zappa is on the phone, like, while they're playing. He's like, hey, you know that sound you're looking for? Here it is. And holds it up, like, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, God. And he's like, the, the snowman. <laughs> God, well, I don't know who's looking for that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's hard to imagine this this band being popular in real life. You know, in the film they're very popular, but it, I just oh, I, I, it, it's hard to see. Um, the the one note though is that um, you hear them perform two songs in the film, and and they're both co-written by Michael Keaton himself. Ugh. I mean, one of one of them is Frosty the Snowman, so I don't know how that works out. It's a cover. I guess he wrote okay. the riff for it. yeah. It's co-cover. Oh, Jesus, Michael Keaton wants wanted something out of this film, man. He he needed yeah. something. Well, to, um, to to talk about where the budget went, because you mentioned that earlier. This is a side note about that, too. Yes. Uh, the role was originally intended for George Clooney. Um, he bailed to go do Batman and Robin, which is ironic mm-hmm. that another Batman actor would take his place. Like, they really had a yes. Batman in their head when they were trying to cast the snowman. The, sure. the thing about this movie that a lot of people don't know is that the snowman is not CGI, uh, he's actually a big puppet by the Henson Studio, which yes. we talked a little about the Henson Studio in this era back in our episode about TGIF, which is another one mm-hmm. that you should check out if you haven't checked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Henson people, they spent a lot of time and a lot of money, like a year and a half, developing a snowman puppet that looks just like George Clooney. Are you serious? And then George Clooney bailed, <laughs> and they were like openly pissed off, and they were like kind of storming around the set and... And there's all these notes about being on that production, and the Hudson people were, like, very unfriendly and cursing openly. How would they, too? Fuck George Clooney. Because they spent a year and a half making George Clooney puppet. Yeah. So what we wound up with was a puppet that was more generic because they were like, well, we're not going to spend that same time in case this happens again. And they just made more of a generic-looking puppet. But originally, somewhere there is a puppet. That looks like uh, George Clooney, and there's a couple of them. <laughs> That's terrifying. Nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, and, and if you if you want to listen to the two singles from the film, they are available. They're online. Michael Keaton, um, I did it good that time. I didn't say Jack Nicholson or uh, Nicholas Cage. Hey, yeah, good job. You're um, getting there. Yeah, I guess the more I embrace <laughs> that weirdness, I, uh, I, I will surpass it. But the two singles are online. I guess, you know, at the very least, add them to your Christmas playlist. I mean, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, um, a lot of the songs on Christmas, my Christmas playlists are not ones that I would listen to year round. But uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, add add this to your Christmas playlist and uh, and get into the spirit, man. You know, you'll, you right. only live once, and then you come back as a snowman. And the next time that you want to be popular at a party, you have some great material to work with here. Absolutely. Hey, man, did you know that George Clooney was supposed to be in Jack Frost? Oh, no, not the Jack Frost you're thinking yeah. of. <laughs> So after all that Jack Frost talk, yeah. <laughs> let's kind of uh, lighten the mood here and go into uh, my second to last pick, which my last two are just complete fire, like yeah. great, yeah. great picks. I kind of wanted to gloss over my first few picks so I can get to these two. And uh, my next pick is The Blowholes from 
The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Dang. Yeah, this is the best. Yeah. This is really good. <laughs> I love this episode, man. And I, I, I love the, I, I mentioned that I love Polaris. So the song that the episode is about mm-hmm. is like a song that I genuinely love. Yes, I agree. Like the, the entire album that Polaris put together for The Adventures of Pete and Pete is just phenomenal. It's, it's the best. It is. It is. It's one of the best soundtracks ever. But uh, yeah, this comes from the episode Hard Days Pete, which if you go back and listen to like the third Forever Bogus podcast episode ever, uh, this was my favorite Adventures of Pete and Pete episode. And oh, wow. that still holds up today. Like that's still my considered my favorite the Adventures of Pete and Pete episode. That's bold. So the the blowholes consist of Miss Fingerwood, which is the math teacher. She's playing bass. And the meter man is on guitar, and Clem Lanel is on drums. Good old Clem. He's the, the kiddo from Heavyweights. Oh, that's right. That's where I recognize that kid from. Yeah. So uh, some interesting factoids here that I want to get to. Now I'm going to try to keep this short, because there's a lot that could be said about the blowholes, Polaris, even just a Pete and Pete, this episode. Like, there's a lot to be said. So I'm going to try to keep this under five minutes, okay? Sid Straw, who played Miss Fingerwood, is an actual musician. Same thing with the Meter Man. They're actual, legit, really good musicians outside of the actual show of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I could see that. And as I said, Sid Straw, who played Miss Fingerwood, sung backup for Pat Benatar during her like big height in the 80s and early 90s. That's awesome. Not only that, she was a member of R.E.M.'s Michael Stipe's older band. Very well-known acts, and she is associated with them. I gotta look into that. And Marshall Crenshaw, who played the meter man, has a shit ton of credits for many soundtracks throughout the 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s. He's still kind of working on some stuff to this day as well. Some notable movies include Night Shift, Empire Records, Damn. Fame, and La Bamba. Oh, good old La Bamba. That soundtrack was huge yeah, it after really that was. came out. Damn. So as you may know... The blowholes were formed to create Little Pete's favorite song that was performed by Polaris that he accidentally stumbled upon on his way to school during the first part of that episode. And Little Pete doesn't have a favorite song. He just doesn't like music in general. But once he stumbles upon Polaris, like they, they're pretty much to the chorus of, of the song Summer Baby, and uh, which is always got stuck in my head when I was when I was younger. Nobody knows. Nobody, nobody knows. knows. I wasn't around. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's so I, good. I genuinely love it. Like it's not. I'm not even in an ironic way or like oh this nostalgia. Like it's. I love that album. It's a great album. Yeah. So as I said before, uh, Little Pete created this band to remember this song because he went back to go meet Polaris in the garage that he stumbled upon originally but he was they were no longer there and he couldn't find the song anywhere so he decides he's going to start playing guitar he's going to recreate this song because it was his favorite song now and it was it was gone you know pre-internet you know he couldn't he couldn't just mm-hmm. go online and look up this band SoundCloud or their band yes. camp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his his only option if they weren't there was like, oh, I gotta learn how to play this song now. Which is great. And that is actually the reason why Danny Tamborelli started playing bass. He's he plays in a band. Yeah. 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 And he plays in a band and then now he's still tours. He actually went on tour with Polaris. Both Pete's were at the show that I saw Polaris at. Really? Um, yeah, they did uh, because they do the podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Mike. Yes. And they did a re- they did a recording just before that performance, 
So it, I mean, it was oh, wow. that was another part I forgot to mention about that. That was such a strange but surreal, cool day. I, I met them both actually. Mm-hmm. I got I got pictures with them both um, at that event. They're they're great guys. Yeah, I agree. And I I could spend you know hours and hours talking about how influential this episode and the music and everything. So I digress about this episode. I was I want to bring it back to horror for my last one, because all but one were horror. Eh, you might as well consider that a horror movie. Ja- Jack, Frost, <laughs> yeah, Jack Frost is kind of the most horrific in its own way. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my last pick is the Titty Twister House Band, as seen in the 1996 film From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, yeah. I actually did not know that was their name. <laughs> yeah, they're they are because uh, the bar they're in is the Titty Twister, and uh, yes, they're just the house band. So they're they're known as like and credited as the Titty Twister house band. You're in your list with a fucking band. Man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, uh, I appreciate it. This film is fucking fantastic. I really love it. It's really good uh, entry level, you know, B horror and stuff. If if you're not familiar with, you know the besides the mainstream of horror, this is a great place to start. And actually, you know, it has a really huge cast. As a matter of fact, um, Fred Williamson... George Clooney's in it. Yeah, actually, George Clooney (laughs) is in it. Holy shit, way to bring it back around. Um, But uh, it's got a big cast, like... uh, Fred Williamson is in it, who who played Shaft, and he played, you know, a lot of of, uh, actors in the the Blaxploitation era of film. Mm -hmm. And ironically enough, I saw him at a horror con... (laughs) Go figure. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I knew about him was this film. I was like, I love really from dusk till dawn. So this was before you started getting into more black exploitation films. Yeah, I yeah, it was just I was like entry level horror and film and stuff, and I just knew him from this. Mm-hmm. So I went to go talk to him, and I wanted to say, oh, I loved you in from dusk till dawn. And I started walking towards him, but as I was like five feet away from him, and there was nobody at his table, so I was just going to be able to walk straight up and talk to him. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name, <laughs> so I I turned back to go like ask my wife like, "What's his name again?" I don't want to embarrass myself, but he saw me turn around. Oh no! And he shouted in front of everybody, and like everybody looked. He said, um, "Man, what kind of a bitch ass move was that?" <laughs> yeah. So that that's my. Uh, and then I love your convention stories. Like you always have some interesting stories with some yeah. random B actors. Yeah, I, we we love, we love those conventions, and and you know, like we've yeah. we've ridden in the elevator with a, a few of them, and and I'll save them for when mm-hmm. they come up in the show because I'm sure they will. Yes, but anyway, that was a that was a really big side note. This film um, is very star studded. Uh, it centers around two fugitive bank robbers on the run, mm-hmm. uh, played by Quentin Tarantino and. The original Jack Frost actor himself. George Clooney. <laughs> Thank you. I, God, now the name thing is reversed. I can't think of his name now. I know. Oh, shit. All right. So, yeah, it centers around two fugitive bank robbers on the run, and uh, they're cross, their paths cross with uh, this vacationing family in an RV, and they decide to sort of uh, take the family hostage and use the RV and the family to escape to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the way, they stop at this, this bar called the Titty Twister to meet with their contact. But it turns out the Titty Twister is actually a vampire bar, and they need to fight through the night to survive. <laughs> That's when like the film really picks up for me. If you've never seen it before, you're watching, you're like, "Oh, it's like a crime movie." Okay, mm-hmm. they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing that, and they're like, "Wait, this is a fucking vampire movie?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> then you're introduced to the Titty Twister house band. Uh, they're mm-hmm. seen wearing like goth mariachi outfits. 
Um, they're seen performing songs like Mary Had a Little Lamb and After Dark and <laughs> and a whole bunch more. And um, once it's revealed that they're in a vampire bar and the blood frenzy commences, the band appearances changes and they become vampires. And all of their instruments are now made out of chopped up body parts. Yes, it's so rad. Yeah, it's super gnarly to look at. And it's it's like, it, it, you mentioned Guar before. It absolutely reminds me of something from a Guar show. Oh yeah, absolutely. The guitar... Uh, is made from a torso, if you could imagine, with its arms, legs, and head cut off, and and just a leg jammed into the neck hole. That's the guitar, mm-hmm. and you can so also, good. yeah, you can also spot pretty clearly a uh, maracas made out of hollowed out skulls. <laughs> so they're great. They play they play throughout uh, Salma Hayek's performance and stuff like that, and um, they end their their performance. By saying, fuck you, everybody, and good night. And they <laughs> slam on this huge cord, which somehow sets off some kind of explosion and explodes them into a million pieces. That's some pyrotechnic yeah, shit. That's yeah, their, they, they hit this really big cord, and all their body parts go flying all over the place. So rad. That's definitely Quentin Tarantino right there. The band in real life is called Tito and Tarantula. But it also had the addition of Robert Rodriguez and the drummer from Oingo Boingo, ironically enough. Really? I didn't notice any of that. I'm just surprised I didn't see Rob. Yeah, there. yeah, it's, it's super strange. Interesting. Yeah, high recommend. If you want to see a band that of vampires that are playing instruments made out of parts of corpses thrown together, yeah, uh, the Titty Twister house band is for you. That's it. Fuck, Fuck you, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Final pick, Jamie. Now this this is one you're excited about. So it let's is. I'm it. very excited about this one. I feel like I should do a row of shots. You want to do a couple shots yeah, of sure. me before we get to this one? No. <laughs> shots of water. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you really get trashed? That's so hydrated. That's good audio. <laughs> a lot of gink. All right. My last pick here, it's Mad Balls. Whoa. They're Mad Balls. Gross. Sticky <laughs> <Okay>. gross. <laughs> yes. So this will probably going to blow everybody's minds because they probably do not remember this TV show. And I'll, I'll get more into it, the reason why they probably don't remember it. Me, personally, I don't remember watching this as a kid. I remember Mad Balls. I remember winning them. My parents said, absolutely not. But there is apparently a very short-run cartoon animated series about Mad Balls. Whew. So the animated series may not ring a bell for you because it never got bought by a network and never ran it in syndication on any network whatsoever. However, there are two episodes that were released straight to home video VHS. Oh, I'm going to have to get my hands on that. I have one of them. They're very hard to find. I did rip both of the episodes on there, so if you want to watch them for yourself... I will send them to you, and if you, the listener, want to check this out, please contact me at forever.bogus.forever at gmail.com. Wow. So the first episode was entitled Escape from Orb, which is what their planet was called, which forces the main Madball crew and their musical band Madball to flee from Orb. And the Madball group included the following members. Screaming Mimi... Frank Ella, Hornhead, Dusty, and Skullface. So they they look rad. Yeah, and like everything's gooey and slimy, and all the dialogue is really cheesy and like really pun heavy with balls. 
(laughs) (laughs) Their home planet orb did not allow music or any bands to exist. They would get sent to jail or even executed, which is fucking ridiculous. But they had a a rock band called Mad Balls that they were playing like speakeasies or like underground venues and stuff like that. The other Mad Balls would come out and they had a huge following on the orb. That's such a uh, in-depth plot for a show just about talking balls. Right? Yeah. Anything goes in the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. man. Doesn't matter. You, you got you got slime and uh, turtles, and you want them to be ninja, but they're also going to portray African-Americans. Dang, Go for it. Right, man. Go for it. Shit. <laughs> so much depth and like, weird characters. So, all right. So, I know you're dying to figure out the two songs that they played and performed on the show. God, they really do it, huh? I'm dying to find out. No. (laughs) Jesus. The first one that they played is called Dizzy Miss Lizzie, which was written and performed by Larry Williams. And honestly, that rings no bell to me, so I went and did a little bit of research on it and come to find out Larry Williams worked on all the songs for the Beatles cartoon. Oh, shit. So there's like some overlap with some of my picks here in my, in my, in my list. Yeah, a lot of Beatles stuff. A lot of Beatles stuff. And uh, he's still doing a lot of work even to this day. Uh, for instance, he did the Breaking Bad theme song. No shit. Wow. So <laughs> this Larry Williams did Mad Balls and the Breaking Bad theme song. <laughs> God, that's, that's got to be an interesting dude to talk to. And the other song is just a cover of Great Balls of Fire, which, go figure, it has the word ball in it. Of course they're going to perform it. But it's, a, it's an interesting kind of cover of it, which was uh, written and performed by Ordis Blackwell, which also... Uh, doesn't ring a bell to me, so I did a little bit of research, and you could sit there all day looking at his credits and his resume. It is chock full of theme songs, soundtracks, uh, or he would write songs for popular people. Like it's just it's it's humongous. So if you want to spend an afternoon figuring out more about Ordis. Be my guest. Yeah, that's that's a big homework <laughs> fucking thing. So the the Mad Balls finally escape their planet just in time before they get caught, and they're on their way to Earth because while they're in their spaceship, they get like an Earth uh, TV signal, and there's supposed to be this huge concert that had all these kids at, and they're supposed to have a musical performance there, but apparently the musical performance like dropped out last minute, so they don't have anybody to perform for them. And they conveniently enough land right on stage in front of thousands and thousands of kids. And they were a huge hit. Huge hit. (laughs) (laughs) That's when they perform both uh, Great Balls of Fire and Dizzy Miss Lizzy. And they're pretty fun songs. Like it kind of has that, you know, uh, late 50s, early 60s kind of. It's like that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis kind of feel. Like sweet. Like, swing. Yeah, but it's got kind of a, a modern feel to it as well, because, I mean, it's all done by modern uh, instruments. I'm, How do they play the instruments if they don't have any arms? Uh, they have arms and they have legs, but they bounce around a lot. What? It's it's very strange. Very strange concept, man. All right. I, they're mad and they're balls. Y- they're mad balls. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, they're icky. <laughs> icky and gross. Goodness and grace is great balls of fire. <laughs> All 
All right, Jamie, I am rocked out. I feel like I need to to take a nap or something. Yeah, now. I know. Too much rock and roll. Or it's just beer talking. I don't know. You know what they say, only the good die young. And uh, <laughs> what, it, what else do they say? I don't know. Viva Rock Vegas. Uh, yep. Yeah, Viva Rock Vegas, but, uh, you know, the Flintstones <laughs> movie. What am I doing? What are we talking about? I don't know. We're getting know, sidetracked. But that, that wraps up our show. That does. We we uh, really talked about a lot of bands today. And I feel like I have more homework now than I did before writing this episode. We gotta, I got to go back and listen to that King Diamond yep. Christmas yep. album. I got to go watch Hard Rock Zombies. Yeah, uh, honestly, if I, you just do those two things, you'll... You will feel very happy inside, and uh, and and that same goes to the listener too. If you've never heard the King Diamond Christmas album, look into that. Uh, do yourself a favor. Also, Hard Rock Zombies is in YouTube, and it's it's in entirety. Most of the films and TV shows we talked about are are very accessible mm-hmm. for the most part. There are a few that are a little hard to come by, but yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Great, great stuff today, man. I was impressed by your picks. This is kind of one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. I think so, too. And we came up with like four different episode topics for future episodes of the Forever Bogus Podcast. Yeah, we got three episode ideas just in this one. Yeah, good thing I wrote them down. I didn't, so they're gone. Actually, I did not. I've already forgotten. Yeah, shit. (laughs) I guess the next one will be about, uh, I don't know, circus peanuts or something. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Michael Keaton. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Um, It was the best roles of uh shit it's gone yeah it's gone it's gone already that's okay so hopefully we inspired you to check out all these bands or even like when you're going back watching old tv shows or movies and you're like oh wow there's a random band playing in the background i want to learn more about them so i'm hoping that we inspired you in some way to be a little more observant uh let us know what we missed yeah right to forever bogus on instagram message or comment mm-hmm. about what we didn't talk about. I mean, we didn't talk about some really obvious ones, and I, and I did that on purpose. You know, we missed uh, Martin, both of Marty McFly's bands in Back to the Future. We didn't talk about Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk Airheads. about uh, the Lone Rangers from Airheads. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about a bunch of them, but what else did we miss? You let us know. Yes. And maybe maybe there will be a follow episode of uh, we could do a whole episode on ones we didn't mention and, and read the comments. Who knows? That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, there's even like Wayne's World. Like, there's, there's, there's a shit ton. There are a yeah. lot. So please do so. And Jamie, we're going to have you on the next episode, and you're going to be kind of more of a, of a permanent co-host, so I'm so excited that you are now yeah, dude. here with the Forever Bogus Podcast. That's really awesome. I, uh, I appreciate that, man. It's, a lot, it's always a lot of fun talking about this shit, and uh, mm-hmm. God, anytime I get a chance to talk about Rock's Chosen Warrior, Sammy Kerr, and uh, the Jack Frost movie in the same breath, I'll do it. I love that. That's great. All right, man. Well, uh, you'll be hearing our voices again uh, in less than a week. There's nothing you can do about it. That's right. That's right. So until then, be kind. Rewind. And stay Hey there, Bogus fam. Don't run off too quickly there. I still have a little reminder for you. Remember at the beginning of the episode when I said there's going to be a brand new spanking season of the Forever Bogus podcast? Well, we're not bullshitting you. That is the truth. On August 19th, Wednesday, August 19th, we have brand new spanking episodes of the Forever Bogus podcast. And we honestly cannot wait to share these episodes with you. Because all the nostalgic content that we cover on the new episodes 
are amazing. And I have to say, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think these are some of our best episodes that we've ever produced. So make sure to set a timer on your computer, on your phone, on your calendar for August 19th for brand new episodes of the Bogus Cast. Stay bogus out there, friends. I know more.